Lo, I the man, whose muse Wylome did mask, as time her taught in lowly shepherd's weeds, am now enforced a far unfitter task for trumpet stern to change mine oaten reeds and sing of knights and ladies' gentle deeds whose praises having slept in silence long me all too mean the sacred muse a reeds to blazon broad amongst her learned throng fierce wars and faithful loves shall moralize my song I have no idea what he's talking about. We better study a little bit tonight. Welcome to the Mosaic Arc. and they don't have a copy what are we gonna do <laughs> okay so <laughs> i don't know i kept my copy i kept my copy at home and i thought yeah surely if i come to a library i'll have this well, what was it what what, what is this kind of edmund edmund spencer the fair fair fairy queenie <laughs> fair, fiery queenie fair well, she looks kind of fiery on the cover, right? So we got the mm, got Elizabeth in does. her rainbow dress, right? So Edmund Spencer, the fairy queen. We're inspired tonight because we actually have been working on a lot of other stuff and we didn't have time to prepare anything else. <laughs> so we figured <laughs> we need to practice our iambic pentameter because Tony Eastland says so. Yeah, to, I actually I forgot to pull that back up. Right, it's uh, it's it's maybe you can find it in your in your um, diner feed. Uh, we all we're always oh, yeah. yeah we're always sitting around complaining. No, I'm not. We're not. We do not complain. We in the dragon room do not complain, except for behind the scenes. Do not complain <laughs> <laughs> about how nobody reads Chaucer anymore. And nobody reads Spencer anymore, and nobody reads Milton anymore, which is what you know the dear professor Tony Isl uh, Professor Anthony Eastland, my good my good friend and, and fellow poet, was doing the other day in his Twitter. I think it was in his Twitter saying, you know, back in the day, he said it better than this, and maybe you're looking this up for me. Um, he back in the day, people used to you know th they didn't even have English classes in the twenty hundred years ago. Because it seemed silly to teach people something everybody knew. 
<laughs> and it's like, it, it's yes. your mother tongue. Don't you just like read poetry anyway? And now, of course, and as Professor Eastland was saying, nobody reads any of this stuff. Chaucer, you know, Chaucer, Spencer, and Milton. Well, we will say no. Professor Eastland is Italian of descent and and therefore translates Dante into English. So, you know, he's he's got some work to do. <laughs> I was looking for it. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I don't even think if this library knows what Dante is or who he mm. is. <laughs> I, I mean oh but you are your thing is you're down under you're clearly on the mountain of purgatory that's where you are <laughs> in, in the in, in really? yes in it's true in the com in the uh -huh. comedia in the divina <laughs> comedia when they crawl down through hell and go through the middle of the earth because it's round and come up the other side they're on the mountain of purgatory so there that's where you are <laughs> they start in italy so they end up on really? the other side <laughs> <laughs> start in Italy and end up down here in the down here in the colony of all colonies. <laughs> um, well, quite a few people are wondering why we're obsessing over iambic pentameter at the moment. Uh, so I've had the I can't find that article that you posted. I'll find it later, but. Uh, I've had a lot of really interesting conversations over the last week since we last saw each other. Communication difficulties in our mother tongue mm. uh, that have left me wanting to eat my phone. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know if I'm speaking in the same language as the rest of uh, the English speakers that are, that are here. Um, and I think it may be the case that we are not actually speaking in the same language anymore. So uh, I've corrupt I've I really corrupted do. you with this training in iambic pentameter. You're well, you're, you've ruined you're, me you're, now. You're a hundred years out of date. I feel like a stranger in a strange land, and uh, uh, we desperately need to learn how to scan down here. Desperately, desperately. Um, it's, I mean, I've said this before, Australia doesn't even have an official national language. So we haven't declared English as the national language. It's difficult to then enforce a standard of communication when you don't have a national language like they do in Italy, thanks to Dante and his uh, Florentine dialect that he used in the in the poetry that he wrote. So we've been disconnected completely from the mother tongue uh, on, a, on a cultural level down here in the colony. And also we've been completely disconnected from the poetry that's informed the mother tongue. Uh, so we need a kind of uh, poetic intensive care <laughs> in terms of the language that we're speaking down here because uh, I don't know how to use this language without it. it so it's, 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 it's interesting it's disappearing because into a corporate speak. Oh, yes. I mean, the corporate speak that mm -hmm. I, I have, I've been trying to figure out this. It's like, uh, 
back when I was in college, it felt like people still talked about real stuff. And I will like show my age and feel that. And and Professor Eastland, he's somewhat older than I am. I think he's 10 or 15 years older than I am. Maybe, maybe not that much, maybe 10. I'm not sure. Anyway, and, and he does, he's, he writes a lot about you know, like what we've lost, what kind of education we've lost. And I can feel it. I can think it's like, why aren't we talking mm. about the kinds of things um I, I've met him as, you know, so I can't talk about him as Tony, but he is Professor Eastland. I mean, it, it, Professor Eastland write, had absolute beautiful book on the ironies of faith and the beauty of, of in Christian poetry and, and thinking about, mm -hmm. you know, the, these deep, the kind of deep symbolic structures of understanding that you and I have been talking about and that they're there in Christian literature, obviously in Dante, but also in, um, well, less in that some of the English literature because they're not Catholic, <laughs> which we'll feature feature in our discussion of the Fairy Queen probably maybe if we get we get to that. Um, but what he said, it, it was interesting what he said in this tweet that I'm trying to remember, of you know a hundred years ago or so about the time that the United States set up its public school system. Prior to that, schooling had been you know local, private ad hoc homeschooling and such like that. And we have this national public school system set up around the turn of the 20th century, Dewey and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we're going to, they were doing it industrially, definitely on the sort of Prussian model of factory mm -hmm. workers, but we're going to make sure everybody, you know, learns stuff. And the, the, the primary thing that they trained people in throughout the 19th century was the classics, Latin and Greek, and they didn't think of English as a school subject in the, the university terms, right? Because, well, don't you know mm -hmm. it, right? You need to, you know, you need to learn the literate languages, the, the written languages. Um, and when you were, when you were talking, I was thinking, you know, the Dante actually becomes Italian only in the 19th century, I believe, not in the 14th century when he's first being read because, all of the nations in the 19th century are trying to standardize and regularize and find their national epics and, mm -hmm. and things like that. But the the living poetry, I mean, the reason that the poetry was alive in the early 20th century is people still practiced not reading it in a book, but reading it out loud, right? It's like po poetry mm. was something you would recite. It's something that you practiced, you know, memorizing and then performing in your in your you know, one room classroom with the McGuffey readers or something. So, uh, you know, the, I, I just listening to you, I was thinking, you know, what we need is not just, you know, people need to study Shakespeare, but we need to read it out loud and, and mm -hmm. we need to sit, you know, sit down mm -hmm. and actually have reading groups where we're practicing breathing this, not just sitting there. I can't, I mean, I, you know, how far have I gotten the fairy queen? Well, I listened to the whole thing driving in the car for months. Um, it's it's not easy <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to tell what's going on, but it's it's also when you say you don't speak the same language as the people that you're talking to on the phone, it's you don't speak the same language, you don't breathe the same language. It's like you don't have the yes. rhythms and the the sounds and the the structure of hearing with each other because we're all trained by a different audio environment. Mm. Yes, and I, I think uh, to a degree, a lot of people in Australia have uh, 
met with English language acquisition through uh, the written format and email communication as opposed to right. a conversational um, development. So if it's not in email format and it's not in dot points, they find it very difficult to understand the nuances of basic English communication, which is <laughs> infuriating. <clears throat> To say the least, um, and you know, in this case, like I, I had to, I had to call a few people's supervisors to to get clarification. You were a Karen. You did it. I was a Karen. <laughs> I was. <laughs> well, good for Karens. I was calling for clarification. I was channeling. Yeah, well, I get you know when it comes to English, <laughs> I think I get a pass. I think I can be. I, I think I can be a language Karen. Um, but it's very strange because you can't insult somebody's uh, linguistic capacity in a country that doesn't have for, uh, a formal national language. There is absolutely no standard to aspire to. So that's what that's that's so what you, we're running to the lowest common denominator here. It's, it's a, right, but I that's that. Sorry, that I now you you were saying that the problem is not not having a standard, right? And 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 that is it's like the joke about like how do you spell Shakespeare? Well, who mm. knows? Uh, yes. you know, it's like think there's like eighty different forms of his yes. name. How could you miss quote misspell Shakespeare so many times? It's what we don't have. It's not the standard that we don't have. It's what we don't have is the the practice of of um, singing it. Right? It's like we don't we don't actually have it mm. there as a living. Um, language and the the problem with, I mean, I think this is what Eastland is pointing to. The problem with the standardized education is it killed everything, right? Mm -hmm. We theoretically have had a standard, in, you know, standard language program for the last hundred years in the United States, and theoretically it was everyone learning English, and now nobody can. It's like we're we're just mm -hmm. in as bad situation as you are in the sense of nobody has joy. In I mean well except for except for maybe our you know our favorite singers <laughs> who play with sound and rhyme and rap and you know this this kind of language as breathed and heartbeat lived as opposed to language as mm -hmm. something you can be drilled on in school if you got you know, spelling is important don't get you know everybody don't get me wrong on that but it's not the standardization problem that we're suffering from in our country in my country mm -hmm. it is the standardization that's the problem and then everybody says oh you can't you can't test you know you need to have ebonics and you need to have you know no gre verbals and stuff like that and it's like that's not the point the point was everybody lost joy in the crafting of the language using it as an instrument as opposed to a right. um a, a machine a mechanical approach to it yeah that makes sense that right. Makes sense. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Well, the, the the machine the machine language it's it's it, the machine language seems to now be depriving people of an uh, of a sense of uh, the emotion of the speaker. Yeah. Um. So in this in this very frustrating phone call. I had somebody saying to me multiple times, oh, I know you're trying to argue with me. I said, no, there's no argument here. It's a clarification issue. And he kept repeating it over and over again. You're arguing with me. And I thought, 
this is because you're not used to having uh, a back and forth with anything longer than a sentence. It, it, it's very, very strange. Very, very interesting how uh, basic discussion was interpreted as a heated argument. And so I just had to cut the call. I said, look, I think we just cannot communicate with each other. I'm going to call your supervisor. And I did a carrot. Um, <laughs> But, but that see that's that uh, to me gets closer to it. It's like he has no practice in an actual conversation. It seems that there absolutely none. No. Um, which is strange. But it's not really surprising after hearing what you've been uh, telling everybody regarding our linguistic training and uh, you know the the decline in this current generation and what they've been exposed to. Uh, no demands on being able to recite English poetry in public, so they haven't developed any rhetorical capacity at all. Well, and this is, I mean, it's, it's what I've been saying all along about, you know, we need to practice the, the, the debate, you know, it's like a fencing bout or debate or something. Mm -hmm. that, that Spencer is obviously writing a period when you know, actual duels <laughs> happen. Um, that what what is funny is there there is practice in online digital conversations with certain kinds of banter and debate, but it's not happening. It's happening digitally. It's 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 happening mm -hmm. you know with the machines intervening as opposed to being able to hear each other or engage with each other directly. Um, but but I just say it's not the standardization here was just as deadly as the lack of standardization where you are. Mm. How do we fix this? <laughs> I wonder. No, that's the Pink Panther. We're going to go steal some diamonds. Yeah. No. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a really cute video that was like, how do you, you know, how do you did, how the Pink Panther teaches iambic pentameter? And it's the dum, the dum, the dum, or how to read Shakespeare, right? So you need the da dum, the dum. And then you realize it's a song. It's all singing and it's all, um, it's a kind of, it's either a walking beat or it's a heartbeat. It's, uh, I, I, I say it is a bit artificial for English because we have anapestic tendencies, um, but it's it's the, the sort of Latinate underlying drum beat of thought that is also verb uh, out loud right it's it's it has it has to be mm. performed and you know the 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 funny thing about Eastland saying you know you people used to be able to read it and they didn't even take it for granted it's like they were actually i do know this from you know medieval education training in writing ambic pentameter was you know centuries and centuries old in fact all the school kids practiced it so I think there, there, my other argument doesn't work. It's like, you do need to practice this stuff, drill it in as a, a sort of just like learning musical beats or something like that. And then you, then when you pick it up Shakespeare or Milton or Chaucer, who were, you know, absolute masters at the craft, you can appreciate it. Whereas if you don't have that ear for it, it's, it, it obviously much harder. It's like trying to, you know, sight read Beethoven when you can't, play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning um, well, we I, have. I was, I was we, giggling to myself when you said anapestic tendencies because I, I, I had to. I had to break you of those. The anapest. Make you all formal and iambic. Um, yes, yeah. but the thing is, I mean, so we've been practicing now as a as a dragon common room for three years, and I did. I do. I dare say. I mean, some still call what we do doggerel. I like dogs, so that's okay. Um, uh, you know, we are definitely getting better, and I can look back on our, our older stuff and recognize when the meter breaks a lot more easily than we were able to tell in the past. Uh, and I was looking mm -hmm. at, you know, some of the... Oh, yes, did I, did we tell you we were going to have a Kickstarter soon? Um, <laughs> some, some of the things that we've been putting on our website, did I tell you that? Um, you know, we actually have gotten better. It's like, maybe not like elegant verse yet but it's smooth scansion it's it's not it doesn't get all convoluted and and the the the, the great the syntax out mm -hmm. of order just to fit the meter and stuff like that we've actually been practicing really hard it gets easier but yeah mm -hmm. and we're the rhymes i think our rhymes are stronger too i think they're more consistent yeah yeah uh i mean i noticed a change between Aurora Borealis and Draco Alchemicus. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, kind of producing a verse and then going back to recheck that it scans after I've already written it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not writing, editing, writing, editing in every line. Things are coming out now, kind of semi-fluidly. So it's it's very exciting to see that development. Yes, which we want to talk about in a future stream of like what it's like working. No, actually, we, what we want to do, we want to do some some discussion, hopefully next week, um, about what it's been like working with our artist. Uh, but mm -hmm. but tonight we want to well practice a little bit of Spencer, right? And say this is. I'm going to start with our slides. Whoops, I've got, I'm out of order. Ha. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> go forward. There we go. That's the one I wanted. It's a title page of the 1590 printing. Um, that when we when we started writing Draco Chemicus, it's it has a kind of Elizabethan aura because it's the the alchemy of the 16th century projecting itself into the present with our digital electric mm -hmm. media, and we consciously chose um, Edmund Spencer's Fairy Queen as our stanza model because we are in effect writing the antidote to Edmund Spencer's Fairy Queen. <laughs> and that may, that may strike you as strange to hear since it's like, wait a minute, you're, you know, you're writing a fairy story about dragons. And yes, there is a dragon in Canta, the first book of the Fairy Queen, very famous dragon. We're going to show you some pictures of it. Uh, and you know, that we are actually working within this, model of elizabethan fairy stories which because of spencer's fairy queen became and also midsummer night's dream and things like that but thanks to spencer and and the sort of aura that he was trying to cast over elizabeth's wow. court surely if we're writing a kind of poetic fantasy we want to celebrate spencer well we do <laughs> um as eastland points out you know he's wanted this look how fat it is Right. He's this is like the longest poem ever in English. <laughs> well, that's some some of those are notes. 
but not much of them. Most of it, most of it's just text, right? Like, well, about that much, right? That's text. Um, but because of Spencer and his powerful effect on particularly 19th century, I mean, I found that when I was looking for slides. In fact, as with many things, it's the 19th century's medievalism that gives us the 20th century's conviction of classics, oddly enough. Um, mm. the, 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 the 17th and 18th century weren't too taken with all the Arthuriana. They, they forgot about it and ignored it. But in the 19th century, they bring it all back. And so... What we think of now as like fantasy literature and Tolkien and dragons and all of that is this problem um, for English literature because it doesn't have a, a strong Catholic base. That was a long introduction. Mm -hmm. so I, you know, we're trying to read a book like this. You think I'm going to yeah. be short? <laughs> <laughs> Does this mean I can start prop bashing now? Not yeah. yet. We need to read a little bit. We need to read, read this. Okay. okay. So, Casey, I delight at damning doggerel. Yes, we do doggerel. Um, it's Casey and Mellor. But then talking oh. about uh, whoo, uh, the Midwestern accent isn't impoverishing, only the homogenization of all accents into it. We've lost our individual differences. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and Mel says, I agree. It's a TV that assimilated us all. Right. So, I mean, ironically, we have language because we do assimilate into each other's idiom and diction but it's it's interesting that what mm -hmm. happened with the modern media was this flattening of complexity i mean i'm hope i'm actually hoping mm -hmm. in the in the long run that live streams because you can just do it i mean it's like we don't have you know programming slots or something like that the live stream can expand into you know you guys that think we go on forever we could go longer <laughs> Right and the infinite doggerel. The, yes, the, you know, the expanse. It's like look what he wrote. It's it's a gazillion you know stanzas long. This expansion into the possibilities of you know fairy. Uh, it will be interesting if the digital and the live streaming can recover some of what we lost with mm. the television and the and the you know the narrow bandwidth and the compression of everything into uh you know 20 minute programs or something mm. that's kind of a return to uh, aristotelian education isn't it uh like a you know homer making everybody <laughs> uh, remember this epic no one has to memorize long, long poems anymore, but we can live stream them. Um, well, without advertiser breaks. Without advertiser breaks, we yeah. we come to you guys. We I come to you funded by my employer, so that I can carry my education out into the into the internet. Um, uh, but but no, there was another thought in there. I'll just sit here and think about it for a while. We can stay on for as long as we need to. <laughs> what was I thinking? The live streaming, the expansion, no, no, no commercials. What were you saying? Oh, oh, like the old Greek teachers. Yes, know? I. So this actually is 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 the feature. Okay, so there's different there's different modes of live streaming, and I've thought about this a little bit. So one mode of live streaming is essentially hypnotic. Mm -hmm. And I, I've noticed there there are live streamers that 
you know, one, they'll, they'll invite you into a stream and then endlessly promise the thing that they're about to get to. Why aren't we reading this fairy queen yet? Ooh, look, I think I've been learning. <laughs> We're going to read the fairy queen. Five hours from now. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want to know about this dragon? Well, we're going to talk about it, but first, <laughs> right? So she started the hustle. I, I may learn. I may learn one day. Um, so, but you know, so they, 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 and I've noticed, I've, I've watched this, right? But there's also rep repetition to what they say. And I realize that that is a kind of, it's a sort of musical quality to uh, mm. you know, the live streaming. So we're playing this music and you, you might listen to this in the background of doing something else. And so it's sort of, the streaming quality is kind of drifting in and out of your attention. And if, if, if I, if I, if, if I'm saying something and then you come back and I'm say, still saying the same thing, you, it's like, it's like, it is kind of hypnotic. Right. And, and because of the durational mm -hmm. possibilities of, of this medium, um, that's one, that's one possibility. What is that clear wine? What? It's, it's, um, no, it's not Pinot Grigio. It's, um, uh, Vino Verde or Lana, a crisp, refreshing, light white wine. We should start hypnotizing everybody so they give us money. Ooh, we need money in our Kickstarter to be able to write our actual Draco Alchemicus poem, which is going to have beautiful illustrations in it and stanzas in Spencerian mm. form and it rhymes and scans. And it's got magic tricks in it. And we need your money <laughs> to pay our artists. We need your money. <laughs> <laughs> Who has worked for a whole year with, with us already <laughs> and has many, many, many more pictures to draw for us and is a magnificent comic artist who really we need your money for. Yeah, see, so so there's there's that quality and I think um it, it I'm wondering whether, I mean, to a certain extent we're doing that because we promise we're going to go on for a couple hours and we're sort of talk around things and, you know, the, the stream will take, the stream, right? It's actually, you know, the stream will take us where it goes and maybe we go over here for a little bit and come over here for a little bit. And that, that could be soothing or it can, or it's like, so I think it could be soothing. Most people who watch streams seem to like that, right? That they like the, they like the feeling of kind of floating. Mm -hmm. You're, Mel's with us, right? You float. <laughs> Spanish vino, uh, yes. Um, you know that that the, there is a direction, but it's calm. It's it's it, it that I think is also a significant part of the streaming, and I think also a significant part of this poem, which is so long. Um, that once you get into the rhythm of it, it it it. I mean, it's it's literally. I I looked it up on the. the... It's turn turn on tune in and drop out. Well, it's sort of, but you have to be enchanted, right? It's like the whole point of this is to, um, oh no, I'm not going to that yet. I'll go backwards. I'll go backwards. We're going to be enchanted. We're going to go on a journey and be enchanted. Here we got a picture from my my favorite children's artist, Trina Shard Hyman, who does absolutely amazing fairy tale illustrations. And she did an illustrated book of this first book of the fairy queen and you can see her pictures on, on you know it's like we're going to ride with the horses on this journey who knows mm -hmm. where we're gonna go we'll meet with various adventures we'll have you know allegories and we will in, in you know try to figure out who spencer i mean one of the things he's famous for is he's doing um it's like court literature 
so he's going to dedicate it to the courtiers who are there in the Elizabethan court and hope they like pay him. Did we mention that we're having a Kickstarter and we'd really like money for our artist? Mm-hmm. Um, that Spence, Elizabeth was apparently sufficiently impressed with Spencer to give him an annual stipend, although it's unclear whether she ever read the book. <laughs> he, he got a little discouraged, I think, in that sense. Right? It's like, I've been writing you this, this love poem of Gloriana, you, the, you know, the, the queen of fairyland, and you didn't even read my poem. Artist. It's a, it's it's a hard it's a it's a hard path it's a very hard path to to, to tread. I've lost the stream again. <laughs> well, you know, I would pretty much be happy if people just gave us money and didn't read it anyway. At this stage, I want I want I want Zay to be able to keep making those glorious illustrations that he's been doing. Indeed, so, and the, the thing know, is, we need even if you don't like poetry. We need to write it so that he has something to we'll illustrate, right? I mean, there needs yes. to be a poem, a structure underneath so that the pictures have a place to like live. Because without us yes. inventing the story that we're writing, there's nothing to illustrate. This is true. <laughs> you need our poem. You need it because otherwise you don't get Zay's amazing drawings of dragons and whores of Babylon and, you know, Mm-hmm. Card game. We get. We made a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. It's. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be like glittery, gold, shiny. shiny. Yes, we're making shiny. Gold is out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have actually established. Or so go back to this. The 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 um title page of the fairy queen. Now we go to the dedication of the fairy queen. You recognize that artists have had this problem all along. It's like here here's Spencer, um, begging for money. Although he does, he does it more elegantly than we do in the. Uh... I relate. Yeah, I we're relate begging for money so much. <laughs> we're for... Well, he writes he writes this whole series of dedicatory sonnets, right? Uh, that that came out with it first is you know to the right honorable Sir Christopher Hatton, Lord High Chancellor of England, to the right honorable the Lord Burley, Lord High Treasurer of England. So like the this is like you write your poem and send it to I don't know who should we send ours to. Famous people that we know. We should, we should, we can write, we'll, we'll write them stanzas and, and hope that they promote our, our, our poem. <laughs> to the right high honorable, the Earl of Oxenford, Lord High Chamberlain of England, etc. Apparently they had more titles than just that. To the right honorable, the Earl of Northumberland. To the right honorable, the Earl of Cumberland. He, he got everybody. To the most honor, I, this is going to be like at the coronation. Is there coronations coming up? Is I have I apparently there's a coronation. I hear I hear whispers. Is, is there? <laughs> there's going to be a new king coronated sometime. I don't know in the next did, few days. So I mean, <laughs> what is he going to be king of? Are we sure? <clears throat> you were looking it up. You were hoping to like find question. somebody to marry and attend. <laughs> well, apparently we have the rightful the rightful king Ooh. who should be on the throne, who's a Plantagenet, who's been living in Wangaratta. <laughs> And the BBC did a documentary, and it's a bona, it's a bona fide uh, lineage claim, potentially. But um, unfortunately, this gentleman's father was a staunch Republican and decided to leave England because he liked the egalitarian outback of Australia. So uh, I have hopes that I may, after the stream, be able to continue driving to Wangaratta to find <laughs> to find the potential future king of I'm not sure what. 
I suppose you could still say the Commonwealth, the British Empire. I don't know. The Empire doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. England? Does, well, England better exist. What we is need it? England. We need England. And yet, does England does England exist? Well, I say, okay, so if you find this chappie and marry him and restore the Plantagenet line, that undoes a lot of what Elizabeth did. The first one. Right? Okay. Because she and right. so I'll you leave. need no, we need you I'll to do this. That's money for this. Definitely. We need we need no, money I'm for our, our illustrations for our Kickstarter. <laughs> Have we told you that? No, but look, look, so Elizabeth, part of the reason that 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 Spencer is doing this, right? And it does come in and I don't remember where I heard it in the book when I listened to it. Um, the Arthuriana of the story, right? So you know that King Arthur shows up in the story, although I don't think he's much of a character in it, in the Fairy Queen. Um, but the the reason the Tudors were so fa you know taken with this is at least there's this well they're Welsh sort of I think they're Welsh, and they're trying to come up with the narr a narrative uh, of a fairy story to legitimize themselves as these monarchs after having stolen all the property of the realm from the monasteries. <clears throat> Pirates! <laughs> well, did I mention, see, I I think, I think, okay, there's there's a bunch of us, like 10,000 or 20,000 or so of us, so maybe, maybe we wouldn't all fit in Westminster, but I think that those of us who are descendants of Sir John Hawkins, which include like most of my family on my father's side, but anyway, need to be given thanks because without us there's no coronation on this weekend right because it was thanks to sir john hawkins and his cousin sir francis drake that this lady on the cover of the book defeated the spanish for which reason we're not catholic <sighs> did i mention that the, the 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 main character in book one of the fairy queen who's duessa the or no is it duessa the monstrous monster alligator monster is likely modeled on ooh mary queen of scots who was catholic mm -hmm. her 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 son james who's going to become james the first and sixth of england because elizabeth never gets married and never has any kids um mary queen of scots had a son and he becomes king of england and scotland so james the first and sixth but um he read the book <laughs> apparently According to the Wikipedia entry, um, it, unlike Elizabeth, right, when he read it and figured out that this monster character in the first book is probably his mom, he said, fooey on that. <laughs> and like banned it in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> so, g g guys and girls, this is anti Catholic propaganda. Mm hmm. Yep. The great anti Catholic fairy tale. It is. Okay, and he's dedicating it to everybody. These people probably have descendants are going to be try to be at that coronation thing this weekend. Yeah. Pretending, pretending pre after after this 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 woman's will be nice. This 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 virgins. Wait, they can't be her descendants because she didn't have any. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're actually Stuarts. <laughs> it just gets more and more confusing. Because, uh, I mean, we're a colony of this madness <laughs> with nothing to counterbalance it right now, except for some people who think that republics are bad, which is good. I mean, I don't want to become a, a republic, but. 
I, I don't know. It's a, we have such a strange relationship to all of this. A very, very strange relationship to all of it. Are we an English colony? Are we a British colony? What's the difference? Ooh, there's a big are difference. So the Tudors are actually British because they're Welsh. <laughs> mm. Not English. British meaning, meaning Celtic. Yeah. I mean, that's mm, why Britain so becomes, English. so, and, and the thing is, the Fairy Queen, did I mention we may read some of this? Um, the Geoffrey of Monmouth stories of the history of the kings of Britain is folded into some of the, the um, poem here. And that, you know, the, 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 the English get absorbed by the British whom they had previously conquered. So, you know, what goes around comes around, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Plantagenets were Norman. You're, you don't get to be proud. I don't want to become a Norman. <laughs> oh, no, I can't do it. Oh, it was already hard yeah. enough. Yeah, if you go find, if you go find that Plantagenet, you're realm. just going to be yet again with the, the baddies. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Okay. Anyone but Norman. Plantagenets are totally Norman. They're they're the the well Angevin Plantagenet. I don't know. It's like everybody. The English just get conquered by everybody after conquering the British. And of course, King Arthur was British, so that Arthur becomes the national myth of England is a bit of a trick, which Geoffrey of Monmouth helped start in the 12th century and oh did i mention the fairy queen <laughs> pulls so what is pulls English? off in the seventh in the 16th century as elizabeth is of course using sir francis sir francis drake and sir john hawkins my direct ancestor to defeat the spanish and prevent catholic england from returning to catholicism because the tudors had stolen all their money of the monasteries and given it to let's see who else to the most honorable and excellent lord the earl of essex Great master of the horse to her highness and knight of the noble order of the garter. Cool. Yeah. So oh. all these guys, I mean, all if, if they're in this list, they're, uh, you know, to the right honorable, the Earl of Ormond and Osory, to the right honorable, the Lord Charles Howard, Lord High Admiral of England, knight of the noble order of the garter and one of her majesty's privy council. These guys certainly got so money. The Howard, I think the, well, I forget which properties went to who. I, I'm not sure. So they all got, they all got the Catholic treasure that the pirates stole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why they want, that's, well, that's and that, nothing. I mean, Spencer wants some of it too, because like he's writing this, okay. To the right honorable, the Lord of Hunson, mm -hmm. High Chamberlain to Her Majesty. To the most, we're not trying hard enough with our Kickstarter. So, um, Silent Drago says you'll need. We've got to find some lords. We do. <laughs> we do. Do we know any? I'm not going after that, Norman. I'm sorry, guys. I wanted to save the realm, but I can't do it. I'm not breeding anymore. <laughs> it's not going to happen over my dead body, my undead body. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Well, actually, they're Angevin, so maybe they're not technically Norman, except for. Henry II is descended from Matilda, who is the daughter of Henry the First, who's Norman. No, they're Norman. No, I'm. It's it's off. off, <laughs> <is> off <the laughs> <table>. <laughs> We're just gonna have to have a Protestant king. I don't care. Well, we hope he's Protestant. I'm not, 
I mean, at least racist. he would be angered in something. <laughs> Is he actually Christian? We're not sure anymore. Uh, probably not. I mean, he's from Wangaratta. Oh, no, no, no. no. Sorry. Which, no, sorry. The King Charles that we're about to Oh, have. you mean yeah, Charles. He is. You mean the upcoming King Charles. The, his uh, name, he should, he needs well, to be Emperor of Francia, right? It, they all have that name because of Charlemagne. Charlemagne. Carolus Magnus. Charlie. Uh, I don't think he's Christian. Well, I think he's something. What do you think he is? Could be, he could, it's like... <clears throat> something Francis Bacon would like. Yes, that's fair. Probably. No, I think that something Francis Bacon yeah. would like. Absolutely. Yeah. Which means he serves the Draco Alchemicus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We know that. We know that they all do. The dra the Baconians. Yes. They, we can call them Drake dr Draconi dr Baconian Draconians. Baconian, yes. Draco Baco. Draco Bacos. Yes. <laughs> if you guys are wondering why I'm so punchy, I spent all weekend revising our website for oh yes, to look nice for our Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Kickstarter where everyone's going to give us money, money, yeah. money <laughs> to the right. Wait, I read that one to the most renowned and valiant Lord, the Lord Grey of Wilton, Knight of the Noble Order of the Garter. We can't, do we know any noble orders? Do we know any Knights of the Garter? Um, no. I mean, Margaret Thatcher was one, but she's gone, unfortunately. And a few others. I knew, I knew of a couple once. Wait, maybe Charles is one. I think he I, might be probably one. must be. They do it in the George Chapel in, in Windsor, which is the Garden mm. Chapel, I'm pretty sure. I mean, the, so these, these, these orders, right, the Order of the Garter is a 15, 14th century invention. When they're inventing in the 14th century all the Arthuriana and trying to give themselves chivalry, perform, you know, ceremonially. Um, they're still doing tournaments, so I think they actually count as like athletes. <laughs> so Knight's Tale is you know very accurate because it has the Black Prince probably fence, uh, fencing uh, jousting, mm -hmm. and James Poifroy was kind of good in that role. So okay, we'll go with it. The problem is we we need we, we we our 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 nobility, our royalty, our these celebrities of of <clears throat> you know stage and stage and screen or screen and screen and 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 disc or whatever the musicians and the athletes and the i not the i'm not well i'm still in a johnny depp long right a long read as it were you know we're, we're working through we're working through more johnny depp too we might do a stream on that mm -hmm. after we get some money <laughs> yeah we should <laughs> does anyone know johnny depp we should, or mel gibson we're mel mel come on Christian, Catholic, we need your we need your help. Help us get our story out there. It's basically a vendetta for the you know for our <laughs> our brethren who lost their monasteries, isn't it? <laughs> the yes. entire project. It is. We, shameless. We, we're trying a shameless Catholic vendetta. We're trying to get our money back from the Right Honorable the Lord of Buckhurst, one of Her Majesty's Privy Council. To the Right Honorable Sir Francis Walsingham, Knight, Principal Secretary to Her Majesty and of Her Honorable Privy Council. Think these guys give themselves really high titles, eh? 
Did they buy it? Did they buy the titles? I, now I'm curious. I, I really don't know much mm. about the Tudor the Tudor lines, except for Sir Francis Drake and Sir John Hawkins, and we know where they got all the money. They stole it from the Spanish pirates. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, they mm-hmm. actually did, right? That's why Elizabeth <laughs> knighted them. Although I think, actually, this is kind of funny, that Sir, Sir John Hawkins was knighted first by the Spanish. <laughs> Played both sides, and he's you know senior one first or something. I'm not. I'm like Hawkins. But no, so you know they they played they they were gonna go for whoever would you know help them get more gold. Definitely. Oh, I like these transracial pirates now. <laughs> Hispanic, Anglo. Yes, yes. I'm Back I'm still quite I, depending on who's paying more. I like it. I'm partly convinced that the Hawkins married into Spanish because there's a a. a I don't have it far enough back, and I couldn't figure out what the name is. But one of the moms in the in the line has a name that feels it. I, I forgot what it was, but it it seems it's very likely these these sailing families. They're they're you know, mm-hmm. marrying in port. <laughs> so, Boats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, bringing their ladies home, which is nice mm-hmm. and right. Should he write? So should we read it? Oh, I'm still not. There's still. I've got two more pages of these. Oh, there's more lords. Yeah, I've got two more, three more pages. To the right noble lord okay, and most valiant captain, Sir John Norris Knight, Lord President of Munster. To the right noble and valorous knight, Sir Walter Raleigh, Lord Warden of the Stannaries and Lieutenant of Cornwall. Now Raleigh is. I think. I think I looked up Spencer. We were looking him up back when we were uh, researching the spices and everything. And I think Spencer is one of the first to use Mm. tobacco as a word, Mm. right? Raleigh, tobacco, North Carolina. (laughs) So these guys are in the drug trade for sure. Ooh, look, there's a countess. To the right honorable and most virtuous lady, the countess of Pembroke. Ooh, two ladies. No, oh, oh, okay, we're getting to the ladies. To the most virtuous and beautiful lady, the lady Carew. And then to all the gracious and beautiful ladies in the court. He's he's hedging his bets because of course the ma- the main the main dedication is the one I'm showing on screen, which is to Elizabeth. <laughs> but, you know, you you got to you got to make sure to, you know, take the ask around everybody else too. You can't can't necessarily just count on the sovereign to um give you your stipend. John Hawkins is the real is Captain right? Barbarossa from the Pirates yes. of the Caribbean. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. Barbarossa is somebody else. Barbarossa. There is actually a, a model for Barbarossa. Yeah. Silent Draco and Lord High Pangendrum and Lord High everything else. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Casey says, no wonder the book was so long. That's quite a significant list. Oh, yes. That's why I started reading it because <laughs> one of the things that you can do in our Kickstarter um, is have yourself drawn into the the, the pictures, just like a, do, a just yes. like the donor in a medieval like prayer book or something, or a history or something like that. And apparently, I mean, as Spencer's writing, really, he clearly he's like trying to get somebody's attention at court, and that people did read it. Maybe Elizabeth didn't, but um, everybody everybody <laughs> else read it, looking for themselves <laughs> in the story. <laughs> one lady according to my extensive research today on wikipedia kept reading it finding herself in all the characters 
Rutgers. And as we said, well, that was. James the first thought, you know, <laughs> recognized his mother in one of the monsters. So, you know, it could go both ways. Well, you know, who knows who we've already put in Act One? Ooh, have we? Do you think we may have? Do you think we could we could take famous people and put them into our story? Yeah, yeah. Be. There's a few. Do you think? Do you there's think we few. know any of them? Yeah. <laughs> do you think they'll notice? But do you think sure. they'll read the book ever? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Probably because they're not not particularly interested in I am. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you want to tell whether or not she's good, because put... it means we can do whatever we want with them now. <laughs> Just like with the Trinity, since nobody ever listens to us. Yep. <laughs> Act two is going to be lit. <laughs> yeah. So in fact, we've all, we finished act one. We're, we're raising money in the Kickstarter for the illustrations for act one. We've started writing act two, which is set in fact, in, in Elizabethan garden. We hope if we can get yeah. the, the vocabulary, right. Um, and so, you know, there's a bit of time travel oh, and costume and magic and, and stuff like that. And, and who knows you could be in it. Depending on whether mm -hmm. a you're if you give us you money, give us money. <laughs> well, actually, we're, we're you can only be get in it because we've like you've given us a lot of money, and then you consult with our artist, and he draws you into one of the group scenes of the audiences or the tea party, or there'll be in one in every book there'll be one or two of these scenes where the donors may find themselves represented if you give us yes. enough money. <laughs> Yeah, we'll airbrush you, and we'll we'll write you as a favorable character. And if you don't give us money, we'll make you Unless a demon. You want... no. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you give us money, you want to be a demon. Hard to say. Mm -hmm. This is the strangest form of blackmail I think anyone's ever come up with. I'm liking it. You can't blackmail. No, if you're already, if we've already cast you into the into the character list you're you're in it you're just stuck yeah yeah main, char main <laughs> characters are league. cast it's like a hotel california this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> you're not coming out now <laughs> okay well so this here's the dedic here's the big dedication that that um spencer makes and, and i think we should take note on this it's like if you really want he did get 50 pounds a year from elizabeth which was pretty good money so maybe we need to practice our our um our dedications right uh here we go <clears throat> to the most high mighty and magnificent empress renowned for piety virtue and all gracious government elizabeth by the grace of god queen of england france and ireland and of virginia defender of the faith etc I, th I think the etc is kind of well anyway her most humble servant edmund spencer doth in all humility dedicate, present, and consecrate these his labors to live with the eternity of her fame. <clears throat> <laughs> Are we up to it? <laughs> Queen of Ireland. I don't know. So, so you think if 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 we we say go to Charles, who will be king on on Saturday, and say, "Oh, is he king already, or are you only king after you've actually been properly anointed?" Um, 
you know, we're, we're, and well, what's funny is I would say, we're writing a, a poem about your ancestress, but she isn't. <laughs> because she had mm. no children. She's not the ancestor of any, ancestors of anybody. They're all descended through, guess what? Mary Queen of Scots, whom she had killed. <sighs> Irony. <laughs> she had a lot of these spiritual children though running around <laughs> well in the in the poem she's meant to be here she is now she's on screen in her in her magnificent rainbow dress which is highly allegorical and symbolic and nobody knows what it means except for it has eyes and ears all over the the uh orange drapey thing and a serpent on her sleeve and she's holding a rainbow iris mm -hmm. she's here and this this the rainbow portrait is made when she's older, but she's presented as if she's fairly young. So it's it's all right. It's the fan a fantasy. A Photoshop is not new. <laughs> it's just called it's just called artists. <laughs> so she's in a dress covered with eyes and ears, with and ears, and a serpent on her sleeve, holding a rainbow. Yep. Seems very uh, multi-sensorial and kind of like <clears throat> they're alluding to the way that she's ruling the realm through the iris. The eyes and ears. Yeah, she she founded the spies. We've mm -hmm. we I have, we've talked about John D before, right? It's like so in in researching Draco Alchemicus and and all the background knowledge for having this you know alchemical dragon, magic science tech media electricity and such. Um, going back to um, John D, who did affect he he was a little more successful than Spencer for a bit, but died still like excluded from court. I mean, if you lost her favor from court, you were doomed. <laughs> that you know there was mm. that there was no you know everybody would shun you. Talk about being canceled, right? People have been practicing this for a while. Mm. Um, and uh, but he was he was known and he signed his letters to her zero zero seven, like eyes seven. So guess double oh seven. <laughs> That mm -hmm. he's the, you know, and he's, and Walsingham also runs, Spencer is dedicating with his to Walsingham and Walsingham is running the spy network. Um, it, mm -hmm. it is funny that at Ren Fairs, we, we, you know, if you go to a Renaissance Fair and you get dressed up and you wonder, oh, look, I have a, we've, um, in fact, someone's, been, they've been trying to recreate the, the dress in, in like fabric um you know, re make make a replica dress uh, i it, it's funny saying this was a, a dress elizabeth wore but it's like it's a painting so do we know she ever wore the dress apparently the dress doesn't exist so we don't mm -hmm. know but anyway they're making a dress and you do that and you dress up and go to the renaissance fair and costume and such and you know it's got fairies and tarot card readers and jousts and you know um cool stuff to buy and things like that. And it all just feels fun. But of course, Elizabethan England was terrifying because yeah. you were married <laughs> Queen of Scots, you get imprisoned by your what? cousin, you got your head chopped off because she's worried that you're plotting against her, which maybe you, I don't know whether she was or not, but you know, Elizabeth is not exactly gentle. Mm. 
Yeah, it was not a fun, fun fit. Right. <laughs> right. And the eyes and ears, it's like, apparently the people making the replica costume, they're not sure what the, they're not even sure whether they were actually on the, the, the mantle or whether they were just painted in in the portrait. But it's like, we don't, nobody knows what they mean. Why does she have eyes and ears on her, on her robe? Mm. Well, they, they involved everybody in the spy network, even the clergy. Mm. The Anglican church were involved in it. You know, in dual, in dual role as clergymen and also running information back to the, the monarchy. Right. So the sheep hope was uh, not to be messed with. Strange kind of a thing to be thinking about too, you know. We're, we're waiting for the coronation of the king of the British empire or the British empire what was an empire but uh it's also the the um the coronation of the the head of the church of england you know it, it's this it's a double role it's not just a governmental capacity he's about to become essentially the pope of the anglican church fascinating fascinating thing to watch Casey, Casey's filling in. Pieces of the dress exist. It was being used as an altar cloth, which is hilarious. Oh. <laughs> the church took it back. That's interesting. Just notice the pendant she wears looks like the Eye of Sauron or something. Right? Um, intelligence and alchemy. Yes, exactly, Silent Draco. This is all... We are still in this story, so getting the sense of our Draco, our mm -hmm. alchemical dragon is participating in this, both the fairy world and the science intelligence um, usurious world, mm -hmm. and the alchemy is both the the drugs and the the um, all of the kinds of addictions that the the dragon seduces people into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I, I I accidentally logged myself out of no, I was the chat. Okay, spies using physical, spoken, and mental poisons. Silent Draco. Yes, exactly. All of this, right? And so the two and and the thing is, the Fairy Queen, which we may read some of. <laughs> Um, <laughs> is um, part of this, this, I mean, it's not, it, he, it's, as far as I know, Spencer just writes this poem. Uh, uh, and and w when we were researching it at the beginning, it's like, how did he write it and such? He did, he kind of left bits out and let people like revise it and such, which could explain why it gets so confusing. <laughs> but, um, mm. He, um, I don't, I don't know anything about him. Maybe we should find out that suggests something nefarious, not like D who was definitely part of the, the network. Mm -hmm. Um, but that Spencer, you know, he's casting clearly the allegory to be supportive of Elizabeth at first, although apparently he gets more critical as he goes on unsurprisingly, since she's not really paying attention to him. Um, that it opens with this. The first book is the night is supposed to be the allegory of holiness. And this Red Cross Knight, who's the main character in the opening book, is you know clearly representative of England, right? He's got George's cross symbol. 
Um, and his companion that he meets up with is called Una. And she's supposed to represent the one church, right? So holiness in support of the church. Mm -hmm. But the, the main monster that they have to deal with is this representative of, of Mary Queen of Scots, the Catholics. So, you know, mm -hmm. he's, he's setting out straight up to do this. I mean, it, to be fair, the Catholics are calling the Protestants heretics, which to be fair, they are. But, you know, <laughs> um, that it's it's part of the same kind of propaganda that the the you know, it, it's incredibly powerful piece of propaganda and that it creates this beautiful sort of new myth for the Protestant mm. queen. Yeah, it's a, it's a poetic style for the Protestant uh, regime that's just taken over England. Right. They needed a new a new mythology in order to legitimize the regime, because otherwise the, I mean, the existing mythology of the country is completely rooted in the veneration of the Virgin Mary and Catholic England and the connection between the British people and the rest of Christendom over there in the Mediterranean region. So they had to isolate that little spot, and give it a new mythology, which generates the fantasy, the new fantasy of the, of the people that, uh, you know, the empire built on that new fantasy, the fairy story of Gloriana. So it's interesting, like, you know, since we've been working together, I, you, you've been able to put all of this kind of pieces in place for me because I felt that naturally Australia always lacked this kind of mythological legitimacy, even like, um, you know, in calling itself a nation, I couldn't really understand how it was because things weren't clicking and, you know, they were, it was too inconsistent and, uh, and then <laughs> cycling back and going back even further into the mothership of <laughs> Britain and looking at what happened there, I realized exactly why I felt like this place was so inconsistent. The colony is inconsistent because the colony is founded on, a, on an empire that's emerged from this uh, Spencerian fantasy that legitimizes the, the, the anti-Catholic regime. So that put a lot of things into place in terms of the Irish experience down here in Australia. The Antipodean Celts are, have carried the weight of this uh, antipathy between Elizabeth and Mary, Queen of Scots in many ways. You know, the suppression of Catholic identity, the suppression of this uh, shadow of a return of Catholic Britain. It's, a, it's very, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to see how it's influenced Australian culture. So, looking forward to the coronation of Charles III. It's kind of a strange experience. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm a monarchist, but. Uh, this monarchy's got some, it's got some mythological hangups it needs to deal with. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's complicated since James was not interested. He did not like Spencer. Spencer doesn't, I mean, we're, we're just, part of our story is I'm going to be showing you in a second 
um, why Spencer, just like a lot of the medieval mythology, is reinvented in the Imperial Age, in the like high mm. Imperial Age, the 19th century. So it's like a it's and and the thing is the Arthuriana was invented by the Plantagenets in effect um, mm. in the night in the in the 12th century. And then this this is an you know and then there's another layer of it in the 14th century and then there's another layer of it in the 16th century and then there's another layer of it in the 19th century, and so you know keep over and it's like lacquer on this need to constantly mm. re-enchant the sense of the country. Um, and you know, so, but but that you know, it's interesting that it takes this form of an allegorical quest. Mm. Well, it, it it is interesting too because it's a it's essentially what the the British did since the since the Elizabethan era, taking to the seas waging war against Spain and then becoming the dominant sea power. They have been on this quest for 400 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, 400 years on the high seas. So, you know, as you're describing this re-lacquering, the re-layering, re-enchantment, it's sort of like how do you keep the British peoples enchanted for this empire? You've got to re re-immerse them into the, the mythology that keeps them all stuck together. The mm. empire has to function on a, on a shared mythological identity or no one's going to want to work the machinery of it. Well, so, yes, I mean, we've, we're feeling the machinery part problem of it, but the, 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 I mean, the reality is like we'd start with Isolin and Dante that um, we do need a story. Communities mm. need a story to anchor themselves in and around. It's like we we end up in um, you know interesting debates over who owns which story, right? It's like the JK mm. JK Rowling's fans are you know fighting over whether or not she gets to own her own story. <laughs> uh, to to the extent that you know she's well, one Rowling is obviously writing within this you know fantasy magic tradition of, of the English, mm. um, but that her own readers have invested themselves so much in belonging in her story that when she says, as mm. she as the author says things they don't like, they, you know, write, you know, like take your name off the book, <laughs> say that's not yours anymore. Even, you know, we own it. We, we yeah. belong. And so that feeling of, you know, I, and I think thinking back to Isolin, you know, he's he's lamenting that people aren't reading this literature. But the, you know, the, the undercurrent of all of that is we don't belong in these stories anymore. Nobody seems to care about, you know, Chaucer and his pilgrim, pilgrims or Spencer and the Knights or Milton and, you know, the the Christian story. And mm. that it, it's ironic that English. OK, so. English literature as an academic field was actually, to a certain, it was invented in the colonies, or it's invented in India. <laughs> it's it's yeah. invented in you know outside of the British school, the the like homeland school system, by people that want to be able to participate in the empire. It, I mean, it's literally mm -hmm. English literature is an imperial product. Mm -hmm. 
but it's not it's not taken from England and sent out the languages but the the idea that you study English literature comes it it it's very largely grounded in in India for example um I think mm -hmm. I've mentioned this before, like subscriptions to the Early English Text Society. A lot of these 19th century big publication projects, they get a lot of support from the from the colonies. Maybe not so much America by that time, but but by, you know, India, um, because those people want to feel like they can. Well, now they now they're prime minister <laughs> um, that, 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 you know, that they want to participate in this mythology. So who decides whose story belongs to whom and is this our story can we imagine ourselves into this gloriana story well we don't want to be you know the protestant queen so do we want that the the power of the art is incredibly important and it it's therefore interesting when people within academia lament that we're not studying this stuff anymore they're lamenting not feeling like we belong in the story with each other anymore mm. Mm. That makes sense to me. It's 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 tangible here in Australia. We don't know we don't know what <clears throat> what story we're living in. I think this right. is the crisis of this country. There's no coherent narrative. There's no storyline really, and anybody that has attempted to make one has been accused of. I don't know how to put it really, but um, probably idealizing British imperialism because it has, it hasn't, the timeline here has not, the story that's happened here has not happened with a um, native focus. We've always been facing empire and waiting for the orders from empire and serving empire. So the Australian psyche hasn't got a story that's really independent of that imperial uh, colonial identity. So that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense to me. We're very, you know, we're very, we're very similar to Indians in that way. You know, we want to be world but we're not really part of the Anglo world so we have to have this kind of mechanical uh, connection with the English language through formal education that we're not really using artistically uh, it's interesting yeah right but so but the, the 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 sort of comfort and terror in this is nobody is right? mm. <laughs> um and that that the, the the sort of project of education and telling stories and telling your children stories and creating the stories is Spencer tried, right? This is, this is the kind of irony of, of what Spencer's doing here. He's trying to create a new mythology for the court. Mm -hmm. He's dedicating it to all these, these Chamberlains and Gartarians. I don't know. Um, and it, it doesn't, do, it sort of does and doesn't work. Right. It, it, one of the things that we do know is Elizabeth did, have sort of garden parties um where people you know do costumes and pageants and sing hymns to her as a you know it's not it's not gloriana it's is it australia no that's the that's the goddess in ovid 
um, I'm blanking on the, what would they call her, but that there there is a lot of you know, like, um, well, all ceremonially uh, shock horror, all ceremony is invented, <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, and 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 even you know, but we can see it happening. If you study enough history, there's no such thing as you know uh, a ritual that just is always there. Somebody has to come up with it and say, okay, we're going to do it this way. And then if you can write it down and keep the clothes and have some built nice buildings where that happens in later, people may come along and see the nice buildings and the clothes and have some instructions and repeat it and then decide that, you know, they're part mm. of that tradition and such, but it's, it's always a process of invention. The sort of the forgetting of the invention is, is an interesting element of the magic in all of this. Mm -hmm. um, and that, so, okay, so Elizabeth is doing this in her court, you know, performing herself as, as all of these, these roles. And Spencer is trying to write this so that it'll be the great story for their court, but I don't think it worked. I don't actually think, I, I mean, one, it was too long, realistically. And, um, you know, I think maybe people liked reading it, trying to find themselves in it and such, but it's like... I'm gibbering, but the, or I'm live streaming that the, um, the problem is, I don't think you can, okay. Can you, can you do this? Can we write Draco Chemicus and with that story, if we do it well enough, create a new world of imagination mm -hmm. and community and hope and, you know, joy and beauty, right? It's like, it's what, which stories become that is a little, it feels a little um, un uncontrollable. Which ones capture mm -hmm. people's imagination to become that story? Mm -hmm. Be because we can see times in which nations or countries or states have tried to do that, right? Tried to invent a mythology for a community and it hasn't taken. It feels artificial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a it, it's just it, it's remained a propaganda instead of a, a true mythological uh, emergence. Yeah, that makes sense. Precisely. So it's so like propaganda. Of, propaganda. The role of the dice. The role of the dice. Which uh, which stories are going to be taken up and then owned by the readers, like J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter world, mm -hmm. where everybody's just decided to kick her out of her own invention because. <laughs> They're claiming the mythology is their own. Interesting implications for that psychologically too. I mean, how do you? <laughs> the like that's how powerful fantasy is. That people are willing to uh, deny the the author ownership over her own universe that she's created because they don't like some of her opinions. That's fascinatingly powerful fantasy building um so it's role of the dice between propaganda and mythology i don't think i don't think it's i don't think it's quite that i don't think it's completely accidental i think there's something else that we want i mean we want to tap into this in, in writing draco chemicus mm. when do we feel like we're writing and and we fight this when we're when we're when we're composing right the when it feels artificial yeah. Versus when it just, it's like, yeah. it's there. 
and and you and yeah. you have, it's like that's the right story that's right now of course i would say that the true stories tap into the truth and there's only mm. one true story <laughs> yeah. oh look it's over here right but you know at some point the bible was written down too and then people get anxious about whether or not these that the bible is that kind of story right is it the one that we live in <clears throat> that we find ourselves you know adventuring in or is it itself propaganda for the jerusalem court or for you know, rome or whatever right <laughs> in the 16th century they were having big fights over this right it's like which part of that story is authentic truth and which part is you know evil machinations of the pope to have power over our kingdom which we really want to have as our kingdom and therefore you can't be you know kick her out and make her a monster in the story mm. i have to think about it i have to think about it some things are, some things are coming to mind Well, maybe we should see how how Spencer tries to start, right? Say mythos, silent Draco, mythos needs to grow from the soul and heart outward. Yes. And propaganda, mm -hmm. it feels artificial when it's happening. Although, I mean, we are, we do, we've, we've, it's been a lot, you know, a lot of time in our discussions here talking about the power of the narrative that people are afraid to, to dispute. But, mm -hmm. okay, so maybe, maybe there's a, 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 a mechanism there. The power of the narrative or the propaganda is the thing that you're afraid to disagree with because you know you'll get kicked out of the court. But the mythology... Yeah, no more... Go ahead. I was going to say, no more money. From... No more money from those lords. But he, I mean, he's right. This is like, Spencer's trying to write a kind of propaganda, and yet it's also wanting to be a mythology. Well, anyway, here, let's, 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 let's mm. we'll see how he started, right? Okay, so the first book of the Fairy Queen containing the legend of the Knight of the Red Cross, or of holiness. Okay, so, the, and what I say, if, if we're going to read any one book oh, of, yeah. of, the, of the, the, um, the Fairy Queen, the first one is a good one to read by itself, because it is actually a self-contained adventure, which has a dragon in it. We may or may not get to that tonight. <laughs> we won't okay so here but here's i I'd read the opening stanzas lo i the man who muse why Lome did mask as time her taught in lowly shepherd's weeds am now enforced a far unfitter task for trumpets stern to change mine oaten reeds and sing of knights and ladies gentle deeds whose praises having slept in silence long me all too mean the sacred muse a reeds to blazon broad amongst her learned throng, fierce wars and faithful loves shall moralize my song. Okay, I think he's saying he used to write pastoral verses and now he's going to write romance. Basically. <laughs> right, so he's he's been talking about shepherds and, and now he's going to do... So, <laughs> Go ahead. Kind of Elizabethan only fans. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I do. Is there, are there any notes that are helpful here? Yes. The opening lines of the proem link Spencer in his poem to a tradition begun by Virgil in four lines that preface the famous Arma Rumumque Cano. I can keep going on that in Hexameter, maybe. Um, 
Okay, so I am that poet who in times past made the light melody of pastoral poetry. In my next poem, I left the woods for the adjacent farmlands, teaching them to obey even the most exacting tillers of the soil, and the farmers liked my work. But now I turn to the terrible strife of Mars. So uh, Spencer is in the epic form. I mean, this is, I, I was thinking about Virgil a minute ago. It's like Virgil tries to do this for Rome in the Aeneid. Um, mm. And it, it's hilarious that, of course, what Virgil does in the Aeneid is try to show that Rome came from Troy. Yes. And the reason that the British in the Geoffrey of Monmouth tradition call themselves British is because they're, descent, they're, they're from Brutus, who was from Troy. So there you go. <laughs> we, we, we talked about this before, right? They all, they all come from Troy. It's all Trojan. Tro they're all Trojans. Trojans. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he's basically saying, as, as I said, um, that he's now going to talk about knights and ladies. Okay. So now we know knights and ladies. I got a squeaky door. So everybody's like, we, I've got a ghost going in and out. <laughs> Can you hear it? You should ask it for money. <laughs> I, I, th I think it actually helps with the, the finance, there's, the, household, there's, there's, the household money. There's no one I will not ask right now. Dead <laughs> or not. I just want the coins. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> well, hey, we're going to, hey, the, we could do this. Actually, we should do this as a telethon. We're just going to like, we're going to keep, we're going to keep reading until we get enough money to pay. It's like, we may be on, how long do you, okay. It took 70 hours to, to, for the recorded reading to, to, to work through this whole thing. It's the same length as the Bible in um in audiobook right so here we go bible fairy queen right <laughs> they both take 70 hours uh, we'll keep go we'll keep reading and reading and reading until you all pay us enough except except for that i mean it's like we're holding them hostage to say we're <laughs> going to be on live they can just go somewhere else and do, listen to a different stream <laughs> i'm not sure this is going to work i'll keep reading help then O holy virgin chief of nine thy weaker novice to perform thy will Lay forth out of thine everlasting scrine the antique rolls which there lie hidden still of fairy knights and fairest Tenekill, whom that most noble Briton prince so long sought through the world and suffered so much ill that I must rue his undeserved wrong. Oh, help thou my weak wit and sharpen my dull tongue. Well, that's clearer, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. What did I just read? I'm looking at the notes. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> he's a bit embarrassed about his communication skills. Yes. <laughs> well done. Yes. <laughs> Which would explain why I decided to write a 70 hour long I am poem. It might have been longer than that. I don't know. I don't remember. I I drive. I, I was listening to it driving. I know. I drive. I drive to it from fancy practice, and I come going. I have no idea what I just heard. <laughs> okay a screen a scrine is a chest box for valuables i didn't know that um so apparently according to wikipedia one of the things that spencer is chided for is is his archaisms he's he's nobody in in elizabethan england talked like this okay guys <laughs> that it was it's all it it's always to a high degree artificial because he's doing this in this mode to be purposefully antique, right? It's, it's a, mm. yeah, it's, 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 it's meant to sound oldie worldy. 
in the it's a print so this is completely affectation that he wants to because <laughs> he wants to be a fancy boy oh that's funny yep <laughs> he totally wants to be a fancy boy right and and so yes it's all costume drama even at the time right um but linguistic costume drama that's fantastic but what's interesting unlike shakespeare who's making up words all the time um spencer's vocabulary is actually fairly standard it's it's they're 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 like the occasional mm. oldy worldly words it's like fantasy with a, a few icors and smaragduses thrown in uh, that's a reference to Le Guin's great essay on Elfland Poughkeepsie. Um, in fact, he, it, it, it comes off as oldie worldy more than it actually was. Although there are, there are ways that he's, he's making it feel a little older, but it's not necessarily because his vocabulary is all that. Uh, recherche. Recherche. So Holy Virgin Chief of Nine is the Calliope, the music epic poetry, apparently. Um, Tanakil, this I didn't know. Okay, Caia Tanakil, the wife of the first Etruscan king of Rome. She was considered a model queen. Here and in Blah, Spencer uses this name for Gloriana, queen of fairyland, who's Elizabeth. Okay, so um, he wants to sing about Elizabeth, and the most noble Briton prince is Arthur. Okay, invoke the muse. We did that. We did that in uh, in Ouroboros. We have a prayer at the beginning, <laughs> so that's that's good. Um, Silent yes. Draco is the affectation a set of throwbacks to Middle English. Um, uh, sort of. I I haven't studied Spencer deeply, um, it, it, uh, except for like to learn his rhyme scheme. Um, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it's not like pretend throwback to. That they're all these guys are all you know poets invent stuff all the time. Have we invented any words in Draco Chemicus yet? Mm, I don't think so. We're falling down on our our duty. We should yes. invent vocabulary. <laughs> this this doesn't. Oh wait, no, I invented a drug. You did. You, it's not in the poem yet. Though. I invented it's a not, drug. It hasn't been scanned no, into the not. poem yet. It's in it's in the oh yes promotional material for the Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> it's still in the apothecary um we're not putting it in the palm until we get some cash <laughs> we won't tell you how it works until we get the money we, yes we need it's okay exactly all right i'm gonna we're i'm gonna keep going a little bit Ooh, we only have 20 minutes left and then <laughs> i'm all it was like we're doing this sort of anti, anti telethon right and thou most dreaded imp of highest Joe. We have a Jupiter character in our book, in our story. Fair Venus. Ooh, we have Venus too. Fair Venus, son, that with thy cruel dart, at that good night so cunningly didst rove, rue, jove, rove, that glorious fire it kindled in his heart. Lay now thy deadly heban bow apart, and with thy mother mild come to my aid. Come both, and with you bring triumphant Mart in loves and gentle yalities arrayed, after his murderous spoils and bloody rage allayed. Okay, but invoke the gods. Well, we did that. We we're, we're on. We're on mm -hmm. in our in Draco Chemicus. There are characters that have some of these attributes: mm -hmm. Venus, Mars, 
No Cupid. I don't think we have a Cupid. So so no. so we're we're doing okay there. Okay. And with them eke, O goddess heavenly bright, mirror of grace and majesty divine, great lady of the greatest isle, whose light, like Phoebus' lamp throughout the world doth shine. Shed thy fair beams into my feeble eyes, Ein, and raise my thoughts too humble and too vile to think of that true glorious type of thine, the argument of mine afflicted style, to which the which to hear vouchsafe, O oh, dearest dread, a while. I think that's about Elizabeth. <laughs> look in the look mm. in the footnotes again. Oh goddess, yes, Queen Elizabeth. So so Great lady of the greatest. Honor. Well, yes. Yeah, so I think I think. Um, Call your pa potential patron a goddess. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> that should get us a little bit more than 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say, what would 50 pounds in that, their money be in our money now? I mean, that'd be 50 pounds in gold, right? So 50 pounds of gold, mm. how much would that be? Would gold be useful to us? Should I, should I do the... Should I do the... Um, yeah, let's see. How much, if, if we want to get a Spencerian conversion, 50 pounds of Elizabethan gold. Elizabethan gold. All right. Bear with me because I need to know. Okay. Well, we got Mars. Mars is fierce wars and faithful loves. So they're not, they're not lecherous, apparently. Phoebus is the sun. Okay, so we're invoking the sun. We've got a sun character. Okay, we're doing pretty well here. We've got, we've got the the astrological symbolism. It won't tell me. Oh. It just says a lot. A lot. Okay, we want a lot of money. <laughs> give us your gold. You give us a lot of gold. We'll put you in the pictures. Silent Drinker yeah, says 50 pounds sterling. We want gold. No sterling. I wouldn't mind some bullets. Bullions? No. The, the silver? Silver? Yeah. Pre-decimal inflation calculator. Oh, look, this is all just too complicated. Just send gold bars. I think this is... <laughs> this will be good. Shipping not included. <laughs> no. I, I tuck, that, tuck that on too. <laughs> so... <clears throat> This is really interesting. It, it really, it does feel like an entire, it's an entire world being built around OnlyFans in reverse. He's praising Elizabeth as the, the ruler of a realm full of gods. It's almost religious. Well, I mean, the, this character, the, the, this book is supposed to be about holiness, and the whole and the whole point. It's a, it was supposed to be even longer than this, because his his ambition was to write twelve books, and I think he made he got he managed six. So, I mean, it does it does have seven, no wait, six. Um, that he um, you know, t true true in true fantasy tr fantasy epic style, right? Guys who start writing fantasy just don't stop, right? Robert Jordan. <laughs> no, Game of Thrones never finished, right? The Lord of the Rings is pretty fat, but there's just one of those. But, you know, fantasy series, this is like Spencer is doing the original fantasy series in multiple mm. books and multiple characters. And, oh, yes. So I was thinking back 
Remember we were talking about live streams and how they could be musical? The other form yes. is, and I think this is, this is some, sometimes people complain about our live streams being too long. I don't know how, because we keep to a strict schedule of only two hours. <laughs> um, looking at you, Dan. Yes, looking at you, Dan, <laughs> if you're watching. But no, that I realize I actually am very used to I mean, giving classes that, you know, last an hour and 20 minutes or, it, you know, in seminar mm -hmm. form, three hours. And um, one of the things that people do seem to need practice to develop is the ability to take an argument that takes longer than three minutes to say <laughs> and mm -hmm. think it through. Right. I'd say, I'd say, I, mm -hmm. I, you know, if you feel it's too long recognize that I remember everything we've said all along, right? And I'm tying it all together and I'm putting it together. And if I've yeah. set us up with one problem at the beginning, there is in my mind and probably in our pictures. Um, and certainly if I, you know, planning a class or an argument or a syllabus, there's a whole arc that it was going to go from mm -hmm. the premise and the introduction through the different elements, which you will not understand if I don't introduce them all to you, because you're not going to have that giant aha moment of the pattern coming into realization and significance and meaning, mm -hmm. unless you are able to keep with me. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And, and when we, when we were talking at the beginning about Eastland's complaint that, you know, people don't read Chaucer and Spencer Mill, they, they don't, they can't follow, they can't keep all of the pieces together in an argument, mm -hmm. but what I just said a second ago was that they could certainly do it if they read giant fantasy novels. Mm. Um, not thrown. Yeah. Thro thrown a bones. Well, you know, if you guys, okay. I'm sure everybody on social galactic and UATV can deal with the long fantasy story, but you realize that, you know, there's the, the sort of feeling the significance and being able to keep <laughs> all of these threads together and work all of them through so that when we go poof, at the end and say, aha, see, mm -hmm. it was all going together and it's all going to be revealed here. And there's pleasure oh. in that. You do have to be able to kind of hold together a lot of steps. And if you don't have mm -hmm. practice doing that, you're not going to listen to 70 hour books. Well, it's training the eyes versus training the ears because if people are uh, reading these enormous fantasy novels, they're using, you know, primarily the visual part of their processing understanding and what we were doing is oral so it's it's the ears being trained to have this same experience over a long uh, amount of time but if people aren't training their ears to do this well they're incapable of going into political conversations because i mean our entire parliamentary system is based on the ability to do this right to have a debate that lasts hours and hours and hours of being able to follow everything and pick up all of the threads and have uh, complicated arguments. So Dan, who doesn't <laughs> doesn't like the the length of the uh, the conversation? Well, it, it's it's not just him. I mean, it's a lot of people are uh, are not used to having these. Uh, long conversations and uh, I can see how it, how it affected everybody's ability to debate during COVID lockdowns. I mean, nobody, nobody was going to parliament at one time. They completely shut down parliament. And then when everybody returned, uh, 
debate was off the table. People that wanted to have a long conversation about anything were told to stop arguing because we had the answers already and we didn't need to have a long discussion about anything. So, yeah, it's affecting our political process. Uh, yes. I, but see, this is, I mean, it's, it's funny. I'm not trying to be contrary, <laughs> truly, but I do, then I, then I, yeah. I do think it's like, but on the other hand, people do, it's like they're driving. It's like, we've got this on podcast now because people are saying they like just listening and don't need to look at the pictures. Right now I'm showing the night, the patron, mm -hmm. the, 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 the patron of true, the pattern of true holiness, right. In the, in the night here. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, the people driving do listen to things that are, are fairly involved and they like audiobooks. I think and, that's, you know, podcast enjoyers. And a lot of people are still stuck on a television format, which cuts things into sections and, you know, uh, has time limits. Not everybody has weaned themselves off that. I don't know. Truck drivers, they seem format. to, high truck, high truckers, right? That's a UAT. Uh, that's a. We, we love, we truck, love drivers. truck drivers, even boss. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, as far as I understand it, they're often listening to, you know, pretty deep stuff, right? Um, maybe not. I don't mm -hmm. know. But it's like they do. They they listen to full books. They enjoy listening to books. So it's 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 a funny kind of schizophrenia in our culture. It's like, oh, we don't do that anymore. But then you can think of examples where we do. And I'm saying, well, okay, mm -hmm. so I mean, I, I'm often doing this in, in my own, like, teaching hearing colleagues say, you know, well, nobody does X. And I'm like, well, I can think of it in another way. And they do do that. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I actually. All right. Well, I have to figure out another reason why people can't handle parliamentary democracy then. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, to, to my mind, you're looking in the wrong place of the people who are doing it and who aren't. Right. And there is you know, sort of mm. high prestige and court behavior in one context where everybody's, you know, performing to the, to the expected, you know, social whatevers and, and, you know, can mm. complain that those people are not doing these other things. But I can, you know, I can often think of, um, you know, saying, you know, are people actually learning real skills? Well, yeah, you can, you know, point to a lot of different things that people have, odd hobbies in I, I i used to say this but you know COVID shut down a lot of this but i'm finally getting back to some fencing and some tournaments and you go we go to these tournaments they're always in lower tier convention center cities um because we can't afford like chicago <laughs> only the radiologists mm -hmm. can afford chicago um so you know we're, we're in middle america and we're in these these convention centers and there'll be different activities going on at the same time. And you're often, you know, you know, really impressed with the other things. I mean, maybe they're bodybuilders or other athletes or something like that. But sometimes there's other kinds of skill show, skills that people are practicing. It's like, wait a minute, nobody does anything except for we're all here in Des Moines <laughs> mm -hmm. in this activity. And it's 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 as if we are doing these things and yet we can't see it mm. or somebody is i mean there, there's a lot of weird hobbies out there that have big fan bases that do stuff and then the you know the mainstream media uh, keeps you know keeps our attention to the degree that everybody watches some kind of main <clears throat> version of things that doesn't look like it's in there's anybody with any skills or sophistication but 
the advertisers. Right. Uh, the the myth mythology of the advertisers is that no one has any skills. Yes, yes, that's it. Because they have to sell stuff that replaces. Of course. Because you're all hopeless, but we've got the solution. <laughs> that makes sense. We cracked it. See, we have. To, it takes us an hour and fifty minutes to figure it out, and then we know something new. Guess what? Ha ha! Mm -hmm. It works. Right? <laughs> that you can come out of a conversation knowing something neither of you knew before you went in. Isn't that clever? Mm. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm just thinking that poor, that poor guy that I went full Karen on. <laughs> it has to happen more. It has to happen more. We should keep reading though. Okay. If you want to read well, some just, more? Just a little bit. So, uh, so I have, so this is, okay, now I'm saying my, my illustrations, we'll just zoom them all in in the last three minutes. Um, that I've been saying that Spence, Spencer seems, it, it, he, he, he's not, you know, as successful as he hopes to be in his lifetime. And then this kind of poetry really does go out of fashion in the subsequent centuries in the, the 17th and 18th centuries. So, and in particularly, you know, they get more classical in their taste of, in literature and mm -hmm. um, this kind of high fantasy isn't, isn't very popular. But then in the 19th century, it, it gets a revival, right? There, there's a big, I, the thing is Shakespeare falls out of fashion too in the 17th and 18th century and is bowdlerized and stuff like that. So, a lot of what we feel is antiquity or, or, you know, even medieval or, you know, centuries old of tradition, that feeling of being centuries old of tradition is itself invented in the 19th century. It's like this, this, the 19th century in industrialization is, is big on trying to recover that lost world. But irony being that we mm. said Spencer was doing that too. <laughs> okay. And so, um, what I found when I was looking for pictures for today is that there's all these kids versions of, of the fairy queen published in the 19th century. So the fairy queen, the Spencer's the fairy queen. Here's a, here, it looks like a children's book version. And then there's, there's actually an explicitly one stories from the fairy queen told to the children, right? So it's like the children's Bible version of, of Spencer and, my guess is that a lot of what people think they know about Spencer now, unless they get to it in college and actually read some of it in, in a class, comes from this retelling of the, the, the sort of bare bones of the story as, as mm. children's stories, right? And so you have here, I think this is, I don't know why she has a lion. I, I'm not sure about that. But like the, back to the kids, the Trina Schardt-Hyman kids version of the story that if you get it just as a children's version, it's the Knight of the, the Red Cross is helping Una, whose parents have been captured by a dragon and they're accompanied by a dwarf for some reason. And um, you basically just get the, the, the beginning and end of the, of the book is he's helping Una fight dragon. And that's it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. the, the, the problem is that Spencer for real has a lot more tangles and, and, paths and we're not going to get to them tonight um to take you through all of the allegory and i'm not clear that most people 
when they think Spencer even know that, right? They think, ooh, dragon, which mm-hmm. is actually, we, we, we trained in preparing to write Draco Chemicus by learning to scan Spencer and I showed you all the dragon episodes. So it's like, look, let's read about the dragon. It's a pretty good dragon fight, but it takes yeah. cantos and cantos and cantos Black before one. you get there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> have I, have, do I remember where the, the, the dragon is? No, I don't. I had a bookmark. I think it's in 12. False Duessa, that, that's the one that, that is. Right, so Spencer, it's like, it's like, do you know, do you know the Spencer's story or not? You might or you might not. There's definitely a dragon in it, but, ooh, here's some dragon. I found some dragon. Shall I read a bit of dragon? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, so here he's, he's going to summon the powers to be able to describe the dragon. I, did, I think I did. Did I put some dragon pictures? Oh, there's a dragon picture. Wait, no, you gave me a better one. That's a better one. Okay, so here we are. Dragon <laughs> flames. Fair goddess, lay that furious fit aside till I of wars and bloody Mars do sing, and Britain fields with Sarazen blood bedyed, twixt that great fairy queen and Paynim king, that with their horror heaven and earth did ring, a work of labor long and endless praise. But now a while let down that haughty sting, and to my tunes thy second tenor raise, that I, this man of God, his godly arms may blaze. By this the dreadful beast drew nigh to hand, half flying and half footing in his hast, that with his largeness measured much land, measured must land. We did find when we were scanning Spencer that he scans perfectly, but uh, you have to mark yes. it out. And made wide shadow under his huge west, as mountain doth the valley overcast, approaching nigh he reared high he reared high afore, his body monstrous, horrible, and vast which to increase his wondrous greatness more, was swollen with wrath and poison and with bloody gore. And over all with brazen scales was armed like plated coat of steel so couched near, that not most pierced nay might his course be harmed with dint of sword nor push of pointed spear, which as an eagle seen prey appear, his airy plumes doth rouse full rudely, I'm not sure how to, his airy plumes doth rouse full rudely dight. So shaketh he that horror was to hear, for as the clashing of an armor bright, such noise his roused scales did send unto the night. His flaggy wings, when forth he did display, were like two sails, in which the hollow wind is gathered full and worketh speedy way, and eke the pens that did his pinious bind, sorry, and eke the pens that did his pinions bind were like main yards with flying canis land, with which when as him list the air to beat, and thereby force unwanted passage find, the clouds before him fled for terror great, and all the heavens stood still amazed, amazed with his threat. Is this is this rousing? <laughs> is it, he's he's it's quite a beastie. He's big <laughs> It keeps going, I'll read one more. 
His huge long tail wound up in hundred folds does overspread his long breast scaly back, whose wreathed boughs whenever he unfolds and thick entangled knots adown does slack, bespotted as with shields of red and black. It sweepeth all the land behind him far and of three furlongs does but little lack. And at the point to stings in fixed air, both deadly sharp that sharpest steel exceeding fair. It's really big, this track. <laughs> and in fact, the, it, it was when I was listening to it, the, it, the one thing that really stuck out was, yes, the dragon fight is amazing in, 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 in yeah. this point. It's like, it goes on and on. And in, in the Trina Shard Hyman story, there's three great encounters and the Red Knight, Red Cross Knight keeps getting wounded and Una tends him and then he goes back and fights the dragon some more. That sort of plainly is the story, but the the sort of how he gets to the point where he's fighting the dragon, they have to fight off various beasties. And at one point, a, an archmage makes him believe that Una has been unchaste and slept with somebody else. And so he gets mad at her and he leaves. And there's there's a lot more drama in the, in the full poem than in the kid's <laughs> version, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Makes... <laughs> makes him hallucinate that his love is a hog. Mm -hmm. So sad. <laughs> Definitely that, right. So this is the this is the beginning of our like building break of alchemicus because we wanted to build a world in the same way but uh, not as a propaganda. Right. With the... All the elements of uh, our civilization since the beginning of this Spencerian fantasy and, and bring it all into the, the internet age with our own dragon. That we're all dealing with which is just as big right mm. so so we, we we might be able to feel crushed that we are actually i also learned this today we might also feel that um we're anticipated <clears throat> because much of the modern world like i say jk rowling has one one mythology that people live in but i think there's some competition with a different one I found oh, this is a Japanese movie poster for it. I'm not sure why, but I was looking for that particular image. Who is mm -hmm. the Red Cross Knight, and how does he defend the fair maiden princess against the dragon who has captured her parents? You know this story. Class. Are you asking I me? I don't know. I mean, I can show you the pictures before. <laughs> You're asking the chat. Well, no, I think they're talking about broadcast segments, five to six minute segments, cripple the attention span. Yes, we're practice. We're 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 getting you to to be able to watch longer attention spans. The lion is the symbol of the English monarchy. Yes, but I I lost track of where the lion shows up in the in the Fairy Queen anyway. Star Wars. <laughs> is apparently, I mean, it's like everyone always said Lucas was modeling it on Hero of the Thousand Faces and Joseph Campbell and the Hero's Journey and stuff like that. But it's actually much, it's the, the Luke as the Red Cross Knight and Leia as Una, the princess, and mm. Darth Vader as the dragon. 
kind of makes sense, right? So that there's that. I I I think Spencer was he, he overdid it, right? I think he overlaid the 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 mythology that he could work with with his desire to make the allegory, which then you know shows the virtues and things like that. We're we're trying to avoid these problems and also not write a seventy hour book, um, but. What you were saying about yes, the dragon that has captured Darth Vader is a kind of dragon character. That makes sense. Mm. And 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 in this poster, he it's the one where um, Luke is holding up the lightsaber. And it looks like a cross, and it's in front of Darth Vader's head. So that he Darth Vader looks dragony and immense, right? Got wings, cape. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> um, that we want to. I mean, I think we're working within a post-Star Wars world, too. We want to work within a, mm. a mythology that feels like it captures some of the um, I don't know. Star Wars, we, but it, I don't think it was propaganda. I think it was straight-up myth, and that's why it's got fanfic. It, are, we will have truly mm. achieved things if some people start writing fanfic on our Draco Chemicus. That would be cool. We want money first. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we we promise that we're going to show you some of some of zay's um images although you can go and look at, you can see a, a lot of um preview in our dragoncommonroom.com website there, there's there's images there and there's also to reassure you that we haven't gone completely off the rails with um trying to, to carry on in our journey we're better at, we're better at making it clear than spencer is i think um and we have a we have a little teaser um, stanza to describe well to have the voice of our dragon. Shall I read that one as our as our as oh, our yes. yes? Okay, so this is um, the invitation of the Draco Chemicus. And the the premise is it's starting from the end of a stanza that we actually haven't written, but anyway, into the story. With planets in his eyes, he turned his head and sang to her of empires filled with joy and dread. Come near my dove and taste the hidden love into a dream I'll ease you ne'er to wake. One tear to taste like star milk from above shows lights unseen unless you dare partake. Sharp on your tongue, a pyramid of snakes, a cloaks, a dark star burning in my breast. You'll see the world as clearly as the drakes and capture seas from east to furthest west. For dragon sight, I'll take, I'll trade the crystal in your chest. We hope that's sufficiently menacing. And the offer that he's making and how it plays on all of the pirate imagery and the desire for transformation and love and OnlyFans. And would you accept this invitation to go into that world and become enchanted? As we did with Spencer, whom we still haven't read. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're just going to tease we're it just, for a few more episodes, I, I think. Good, good, good. It's like, we promise you there is a story that we're working on. 
and we invite you to partake of some of the um, tastings by visiting dragoncommonroom.com uh -huh. and checking out our um, videos and taste. Uh, there, we, we do have stance, the opening stances of the poem are on the website and a lot of the pictures. And we'll give you a little more information in the Kickstarter, but, but a lot of it's already on the website. So you can get a feeling for the kind of project that we're working on. And then you'll give us money and you'll get, and if you really give us money, you'll get drawn into this, into the pictures. Yeah. Immortalized. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you give us enough money, which is one of the tier levels, I don't remember which one, we'll put your name in the book. So just like Spencer, we will be thanking, you know, all of our patrons for their support. And if, if we get, if we get some, some, some Tudor nobility. Give us back the money you took from the monasteries. Yeah. <laughs> we want reparations. <laughs> reparations for Walsingham. Uh, yeah. Which is Our yeah. Lady of Walsingham, not the spy. <laughs> mm. I think that's a good place to Okay. Leave <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. So, uh, Silent Draco, that was the original artwork for Star Wars. It was, but all I could find it was, it was a Japanese poster. So I don't know. I don't know why that came mm -hmm. from. Um, so thank you all for joining us for our not read uh, through Spencer, but to the, you know, you got his, you got his Kickstarter plea, right? And, 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 and a bit of a taster in the middle of the dragon. I think our job here is done tonight. Good night, everyone. Thank yeah. you for joining us.